From our nation's capital, this is Naps Chat. I'm gonna sit right down and write myself a letter and make believe again from you. Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of Naps Chat. I'm Bob Levy, the Director of Legislative and Political Affairs for the National Association of Postal Supervisors. Over the past week, the feud between Congress and the United States Postal Service intensified as House Oversight and Government Reform Committee Chair Carolyn Maloney announced the committee's intention to subpoena Postmaster General Louis DeJoy and United States Postal Service Board Chairman Robert Duncan for a variety of documents relating to the recent operational changes at the agency, correspondence between the agency and the White House, as well as information relating to the Postmaster General's hiring. Indeed, postal politics has become stark and dark. However, to brighten the mood a bit, this week Naps Chat is pleased to have as our guest Congressman Rodney Davis of Illinois. Representative Davis is serving his fourth term in the House of Representatives, representing Central and Southwest Illinois. Over his congressional career, Representative Davis has been a champion for protecting universal mail service and also a strong proponent on behalf of retired federal and postal employees. Representative Davis was one of 26 members of the Republican Party to vote in favor of H.R. 8015, the Delivering for America Act. He has also co-sponsored and voted in favor of H.R. 2382, the United States Postal Service Fairness Act. Finally, Representative Davis introduced H.R. 141, the Social Security Fairness Act, legislation to repeal the inequitable and punitive government pension offset and windfall elimination provision. Welcome to NAPS Chat, Congressman Davis. Hey, thank you, Bob. I appreciate being on. Now, Congressman Davis, I want to start off by talking about your relationship with postal employees. My national president, Brian Wagner, who hails from the land of Lincoln, as well as Michael Winters, the plant manager from Springfield and an active NAPS member, send their regards to you, and they'll be listening into this program. What I want to ask you about is you've established a strong and lasting relationship with lots of postal employees, not only from your district, but from the entire state of Illinois. I'd like to ask you, how did you develop these relationships, and how do these relationships inform you as to postal issues and postal legislation? Well, first of all, give my best to the two folks you mentioned earlier. They've been great to work with, and you know they're doing a great job being leaders on behalf of the, the postal workers in this nation, and especially here in my home state of Illinois. To answer your question, you know, I grew up in a small rural community. We know everybody, and we know the people who work at our post office. We knew our, our, our postal workers, our mailmen, our mailwomen. So getting to know them and understanding that what happens on a daily basis nationwide by the millions of postal, postal workers in this country is something that I think the American people take for granted. We go to our mailbox. We open it up. We take out the mail and we go inside and open it. And then if we have to mail something, we drop it in a drop box or we go to our mailbox and put up the flag. Almost every single instance that any American has done either of those things, the letter gets to or gets to you, the intended person, 100% of the time. That is a feat, especially in the rural parts of my district, 
that is not easily done, but it's done because of the people who work for the Postal Service up and down the line. And getting to know them personally has really been a privilege. And they're the ones that have affected me the most. They're the ones that have given me the opportunity to understand what's important to make this service survive. The state of Illinois is rather interesting in that at least three or four members of uh, Congress, Republican members of Congress, are really champions of the United States Postal Service. I include yourself, uh, Congressman Mike Bost, Congressman Shimkus, as well as Congressman Darren LaHood. What is it about Illinois that brings out the best in, uh, in members of Congress in support of the Postal Service? You know, I just think we have a good delegation. Those members that you mentioned are are very diligent members. And it's not about being a Republican like us or a Democrat. It's about doing what's right. You know, too many times, Bob, people want to put a political litmus test on everything we do. Everything, every decision we make has to be based upon whether you're a Republican and the perception of being a Republican is, or or whether you're a Democrat and what the stereotype of being a Democrat is. But in the, in reality, the majority of what gets done on behalf of agencies like the Postal Service is done in a bipartisan way, and that's the best way to make policy in Washington, D.C. That gives me an opportunity to ask you this question. More recently, the Postal Service has sort of become ensnared in a partisan sniping back and forth, which is not good for the Postal Service, is not good for uh, the, the community and the fa- postal family. How do we disentangle ourselves from the partisanship that is currently ensnaring the Postal Service? Well, you are 100% correct, Bob. It's it's very disappointing that the upper level of the political spectrum on both sides has decided to, to make the Postal Service the issue. And I think it's frustrating our local postal workers. As a matter of fact, matter of fact uh, during this recent debate on the postal bill, I, I talked to my local letter carriers that I saw walking around my community. And I asked them, what do you think about what's going on in Washington? And they're angry. They're angry that they've become part of a national debate that, in their mind, their customers now may think that they put a political litmus test on delivering the mail. That frustrates them. They don't want Republicans or Democrats to put them into a situation where their customers that they know on a face-to-face basis every day think that they're going to do something politically nefarious. And that's a message I've sent to both sides. It's a message I've sent on national media. It's a message I sent just last night on Chicago media that our postal workers do a great job every day. They don't worry about who's an R, who's a D. They deliver the mail. And you know how we know that? Because we get the mail in our mailbox every day. I I just don't understand why this has risen to this level, but it's something that we've got to fight perception-wise. Yeah, because the American public, and I've said this time and time, time again on the podcast and in my writing, and I know members of the, of the House of both parties have quoted this data, Pew survey has indicated that 91% of Americans uh, really approve of the United States Postal Service, the highest rated federal agency. And it was 91% of Democrats who were surveyed said that, as well as 91% of Republicans. So you are absolutely correct. There is no partisanship in the Postal Service but it's sort of been dragged into this political debate, which undermines, could has, have the potential of undermining confidence in a institution that's ingrained in our Constitution. Uh, you're 100% correct, Bob. And, and this isn't just relegated to one party or the other. And 
you know, it's it's Republicans and Democrats, and it's really frustrating to me because, you know, there are, there's always tendencies of, of the postal worker unions in the past, but I got to give a lot of the postal worker unions credit, be it the letter carriers or the supervisors or the mail handlers or what have you. It's It's been so much more bipartisan because you guys are really focusing on the people in both parties who help the most on your issues. And I respect that, and I thank you for that. But the bottom line is, the only way to stop this perception that is trying to be put forth that our letter carriers, the people who work in the Postal Service, are politically motivated is for the folks that are listening today that are members of the Postal Service is to stand up and say enough's enough. We don't want to be included in your dangerous rhetoric. Mm -hmm. We do our job, and that's all we care about doing. When you stand up, Everybody on both sides will listen. Okay, let's talk about what we do. A couple of pieces of legislation which you have co-sponsored and strongly pr promoted deals with the concept of the universal service obligation of the Postal Service. As you mentioned, your district is primarily rural, and you have been a strong proponent of, among other things, six-day mail delivery, delivery to the to the door or to the rural mailbox directly to, to the house, and also against privatization of the United States Postal Service. Can you talk a little bit about how these three components are the foundation of a universal postal service and how that affects your district? Absolutely. You know, the Postal Service helps some of our most rural communities be able to compete in the global marketplace. There's a lot of talk about private companies that can, you know, take over and do what the Postal Service does more efficiently. Well, if that was the case, these private companies wouldn't be using the Postal Service to get their packages into the small towns throughout this nation. The Postal Service is a great public-private partnership that allows us to be able to serve those most remote areas. And without that, the large companies that are privatized are never going to do that. And then we talk about six-day delivery. There are so many places that I represent that that Saturday delivery to the post office is a place for people to gather. It's important. It's something that we need to continue because it's, it's also what helped make our country great. We can stay competitive when it comes to our global economy in rural America because that Saturday delivery means the difference between serving our customers and not or serving their customers. It's crucial because the Postal Service, when we look at success, if we get to a point where we can open our mailboxes and not see mail, we only have ourselves to blame for that. Congressman, you, you were talking about the importance of, of the Postal Service in rural America but for providing the service, but also the substantial economic impact that the Postal Service has in a community like the 13th Congressional District of Illinois. I don't know if you know this, you probably do, but there were 1,700 postal employees who live and work in your district um, and 135 postal facilities. And the Postal Service actually pays lease, lease, uh, leases in, in, in total of $1.4 million to property owners in your district. So its economic footprint in a rural district such as yours is immense. No, it certainly is. And, you know, I, I know that the Postal Service has been implementing policies and procedures that were long before this administration and into the previous administration because they want to make sure that they, they do their job well. And, you know, the leases that, that you just mentioned in rural America are crucial to some of our smaller communities. 
and it's that it's that opportunity to be able to move commerce in and out of those smaller communities that hinges upon the postal service being able to lease that facility in that small town. But in the end, what we also have to look at is how does the postal service have the cash flow to survive? That is why it is so important that your service, the postal service, does not have to follow guidelines that no other quasi-government agency has to. We've got to figure out a way to make sure that the pension obligations are fulfilled, but not breaking the ability for the postal service to operate on an annual basis. We passed that bill in the House with bipartisan support, and I certainly hope it becomes law. But if not, we need to continue to put money into the Postal Service to make sure that it can run in a fiscally efficient way to continue all the good things we've already talked about. You're referring to H.R. 2382, the Postal Service Fairness Act, which you were a very early co-sponsor of, if not an original co-sponsor of, and that would repeal the requirement, the, the punitive and the unique requirement that the Postal Service prefund its future retiree health obligations, an obligation borne by no other entity out there, uh, whether it be public or private. And we do thank you for your strong support of that legislation. Can we talk a little bit about H.R. 8015? We were indirectly involved in dragging you back to Washington on a Saturday to vote in favor of that piece of legislation. I know that caused a lot of angst amongst a lot of members of the House, but we do appreciate your vote. Can you talk a little bit about what your view is about the legislation and why you voted for it? Well, first off, I voted for it because I had sent a letter with some of my colleagues urging for general general revenue funds to be given to the post office to complete their job in this pandemic since they didn't have the ability to economically cash flow uh, operations because the bill we passed in the House that treats the Postal Service different on pension obligations than any other agency did not pass into law yet. So that extra revenue will help us during an election year where we're going to see the Postal Service used more than ever. But in the end, I really did not like the rhetoric coming out of the Democratic leadership in the House because it's that type of rhetoric that created this angst that has caused many of our local postal workers and our letter carriers to feel like they've got to go to their customers and let them know, hey, we're not political. We just deliver the mail. And that is the problem that I see in Washington right now that that I hope doesn't impact the perception of our postal workers from here on out. Yeah, I, I just I want to note that one of the provisions in the legislation which you voted for and which uh, you strongly support is the treatment of ballots and ballot applications as first-class mail to ensure its prompt processing and delivery. And I think that elevates the importance of the Postal Service in in the conduct of this election. Absolutely it does. Vote by mail is different in every state. Because we have a decentralized election process, it makes us safer from nefarious foreign activities and intervention. But it also puts more of an onus on the Postal Service to get those ballots in in time so no one's disenfranchised. And I want to commend the Postal Service for sending out letters to states that may have policies in place that would contradict what your delivery capabilities could be. That's a proactive approach. I'm glad that happened. It's not a bad thing to know what could go wrong because we have time to fix it. And and that's where the debate in Washington seems to move away from the policies that can fix problems and instead 
They want to talk about rhetoric that creates problems. I would just note that our executive vice president, Ivan Butt, sent a letter to each and every secretary of state back in May begging them to communicate with the Postal Service at that point to get the the processes in place in anticipation of the uh, critical importance that each and in each state election authority would have in interfacing with the Postal Service. I don't know what the result of that was, but uh, early on we were communicating with each and every state to make it go as smoothly as possible this election season. Yeah, and, and, and that proactivity, I think, is going to pay dividends. And, and the key is vote by mail is different in every state, but the Postal Service is still going to do their job. I was on a TV interview last night with a TV station in Chicago, Illinois, and they asked me if I thought vote by mail was safe. And I said, yes, it is, because I believe in the Postal Service and the workers are going to do their job. I want to ask you a question about uh, mail service and uh, in your district, fewer constituents. Have you been hearing anything about service declines as a result of moving uh, machinery out, out of the plants uh, in your district, or have things been pretty stable? You know, we're pretty stable in my district. I'm going to go tour a, uh, a regional sorting facility hopefully soon, uh, as long as we can you know, get in and abide by the, the rules and requirements for COVID precautions. But the issue, too, is a lot of these changes have been ongoing for years. But instead, people in Washington want to put a political litmus test on what makes the post office be more efficient. That is not something that anyone at all levels of the Postal Service should want to be engaged in. Because when Washington, D.C. puts you in the political crosshairs, it doesn't usually work out for the folks on the ground. And, and I'm standing here to try and protect the folks on the ground, not just with postal operations, not just with the perception of, of, of stopping this political bias talk, but also making sure that long-term, our postal retirees don't pay a price because of unfair social security provisions mm -hmm. that were put forth and passed long before I got to Congress. Right, and, and you're referring to the legislation that you, in fact, introduced that is H.R. 141, the Social Security Fairness Act, which has, as I last count, 255 bipartisan co-sponsors. Congratulations on uh, garnering such Thank widespread you. support. What are the prospects of it being considered? Because it has to get out of the Ways and Means Committee. Well, you know what? Because of the negotiation, we have a new House rule that says if you get 290 co-sponsors, that bill has to be heard on the House floor. So my message to every postal worker, if your member of Congress is not a co-sponsor of that bill, call them, tell them what it means, make them a co-sponsor, because when we get to 290, Bob, we'll, we'll bypass those committees and and we will fit, we will finally get a vote on the House floor for a bill that has failed to get a, a floor vote under Republicans and Democrats. I would remind the, our listeners that H.R. 2382, uh, the Postal Fairness Act, reached the floor on that rule, that it did get over a majority, over, over the two-thirds majority, supermajority on <laughs> co-sponsors that entitled it to floor consideration. I want to take this opportunity, Congressman Davis, to really thank you for your strong support of the Postal Service. I know these days it's been pretty heady. I know, you know, and I, I usually don't talk about politics online, but I know that you are in a competitive race. And as far as uh, NAPS members are concerned, you are a strong friend, and we look forward to seeing you. 
in person, hopefully, in uh, after, in the not too distant future, as soon as these uh, Washington opens up and the house opens up, and you're able to interact directly with us. Well, I I cannot wait for that to happen. Look, my life changed on March 13th, just like everyone else's. But uh, you know, my life before that consisted of being around a lot of people. Now I'm not around people as much. I cannot wait to have gatherings in Washington D.C. again to see folks like our postal workers and you and so many others. Congressman Davis, thank you for being my guest on NAPS Chat, and we look forward to working with you in the future. To our listeners, if you enjoy NAPS Chat, please leave a positive rating on the iTunes podcast store and tell your friends to listen in. Once again, thank you, Congressman Davis, and until next week. I'm going to send-